You're listening to the Primary Medicine Podcast with Kevin and Dimitri, bringing you the best in primary care CME that you can use in your everyday practice. Welcome back, everyone, to the Primary Medicine Podcast. We had a bit of a longer pause than I expected. Actually, I was I was just telling Dr. Pabani that I had no internet for two months and I almost went cabin fever crazy. Then, uh, right after that, my recording computer decided to die. So, here we are, podcast number 60. And I don't forget, we put together a book, too, in that time. Yeah, we put together a book. Actually, we've updated our, our book for residents for the, the CFPC uh, examination. And uh, you've updated it with the current guidelines. Is that correct? The only guideline that's missing out of that one is the new breast cancer screening guideline, which came out in December 2018, and I didn't get a chance to get put that in. Yeah, but everything else is up to date. It's called the 99, and if you're a resident and if you want a close notes for the, that big scary exam that's coming up, it's a really good resource. In fact, it's just to remind you guys, it's based on our own study notes, and we all succeeded. We're all doctors, so it obviously works. Uh, so yeah, uh, take a look. Uh, there's both the app, the app, and the actual book, and uh, the, the book goes through Amazon, and the app goes through the website. Anything else to add about the book? No, uh, though the app only works on Android. Yeah. But if you have an Apple product, you can download the Kindle Reader for free and get it off Amazon on your Kindle Reader, and it works just as similar as the app. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that that's true. It's similar similar price. We're going to talk about aspirin a bit because uh, it's it's aspirin's having a bit of a bad year actually, uh, and uh, I was I was interested to see what Dr. Babani was was thinking about aspirin because where I come from, which is Eastern Europe, aspirin we used it a lot for a lot of different things, and here it's not as used. I mean, do you ever use aspirin for pain? My question. My question: Why do, do you have used it for pain for any for yourself or for your patients in the past? I personally don't use aspirin. I'm a ibuprofen user personally, but um, I yeah for certain types of pain. So I've used it for pericarditis or some other issues that are indicated juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and that sort of thing. But most people don't use it for pain anymore. It seems more exclusively used for cardioprotective uh, or vascular protective uh, purposes. I think that's how it's even marketed. Just before the studies came out, I don't know if you noticed, but I watch a lot of American te- television, and the Bayer company has gone out and started super marketing, which I thought was kind of weird that every fifth commercial seemed to be an aspirin commercial all of a sudden, and then the studies dropped, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this, is, uh, <laughs> this is why. This is why, yeah. Well, what, is, what was the commercial? Well, no, they're trying to get the people, right? Well, um, and as you know, the same old aspirin a day can save your heart. And so, um, okay. and of course, it's over the counter. It's baby aspirin, so they don't patients don't need a physician to recommend or uh, write a prescription. They can just go pick it up. So the direct to consumer marketing from the American television um, companies might be working. Uh, that people are going to go pick up um, aspirin before these things. Interesting. Yeah. So what, did they have like the person in the back clutching their heart and dying on the floor? That's funny. No, we didn't have any of those 
in Canada, though I don't really watch TV, so maybe I missed that. You can't do direct to uh, consumer marketing That's in true. Canada. That's it's true, only on true. American stations, right? Even in our journals, the medical journals, there was no aspirin marketing that I know of. No, well, they know we're probably smarter than that because <laughs> how can you market aspirin while you're reading the um, Asprey Ascend and uh, Aspired? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the uh, article. <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, it's funny because I was just telling you that aspirin, so I've always used for pain and I had this horrible infection this, this week, had like a sinus infection and a strep throat at the same time, diagnosed by my brilliant medical student, actually. And uh, it works. In fact, I personally, for specific for pain, I use it in migraines. So if you give them a gram of aspirin, sometimes it's it's, it's good as an arrestive therapy if they're not on triptans or anything like that. Um, but again, you have to be careful with their stomach. And if you look at some of the other indications, a lot of them are actually, as you're right, it's cardiovascular health. So we're talking about acute acute MI. So interestingly enough, the number you have to treat to prevent one death, you know how you give a chewed aspirin to somebody who you think has a heart attack? It's one in 40. What are you thinking? Of, what do you think about that number? Well, it is. Yeah, well, it actually looks pretty good because most of the stuff we have is that kind of number needed to treat, right? Very few things we have in medicine, the number needed to treat in the teens or even 20s. So one in 40 seems par for the course, and uh, that's why we're using it. Yeah, and, and, and at the time, we were like, oh, it's baby aspirin. There can't be anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's funny enough, it's a bit less effective for stroke. So if you give it within 48 hours to prevent death and dependency, it's one in 80. But, you know, so you sort of expect that. What's interesting, and I'll talk about it in a sec, is that so it can be used as colorectal cancer prophylaxis, and we'll mention that. But did, did you hear that? I'm curious. Did you did you hear that in the states they were suggesting it for colon cancer prophylaxis in certain patients? I knew that there was some benefit to uh, for colon cancer and aspirin, and I knew that there is a swing towards using that. But I personally have never used it, and I don't remember seeing it in any Canadian guidelines. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't, and but, there, uh, there are no, there's no actually aspirin-specific Canadian guidelines that I could find. Uh, there's an aspirin-specific American guideline, and that's one that's uh, was published by the USPSTF in 2016. Which, I mean, what what it says is that you can give aspirin for the prevention of cardiovascular disease and colorectal cancer in adults aged 50 to 59 who have a higher than 10% 10-year risk for heart attack. So they were saying that for intermediate risk, it's it seems to be used for both colorectal cancer and for heart attacks, and gave it a grade B, which means there was decent evidence at work. For people over age 60, however, it was a grade C, so they still suggested it. But um, it was there was less good evidence, and I think uh, one of the reasons was uh, side effects of aspirin in that age group. I was really surprised, actually. I had no idea that it was a guideline to give aspirin for colorectal cancer prevention, but there you go. Um, but things have changed since 2016, so I'm wondering if this guideline will change. They haven't changed it yet. So maybe, maybe Wahid, you can talk a bit about those three trials you mentioned. Uh, yeah, so there's there's three of them. There's the ASCEND, the 
Arrive and the Asprey trial. Of course, it's not a good trial unless it has a clever name. I don't know how they came up with this, but all the they all seem to rhyme a little bit, right? So That's they right, must be all the pretty, same. Thing. Yeah, maybe the same. Yeah. Thing doing, but. <laughs> and, oh, I have it here. What it stands for in terms of uh, aspirin use in the elderly or something like that. But, but all three are trials of thousands of people, fifteen to twenty thousand people, who uh, between an Australia and the United States. So basically, uh, first world, Western world countries. And looking at the use of aspirin over the course of 10 years, give or take, and so I think between seven and their collective, and using uh, aspirin as primary prevention. So people who are not stroke, heart attack patients, peripheral vascular patients, but uh, have a risk for those things, and using baby aspirin over the course of time mm-hmm. versus not using baby aspirin. So like placebo trial. So it is kind of interesting that after all these years, somebody decided that we need to relook at aspirin as a preventative. Well, I guess three research teams decided at the same time they needed to do this because you're right. They're yeah. around 10 years, 10 years old. I think aspirin is 15, but the other two are 10. So it's, it's around the same time. Uh, so the ascent trial was, I think, was the first one to be to be published by the New uh, New England Journal of Medicine, and again they were looking at around fifty thousand diabetics. So this is the diabetic trial. They were receiving hundred milligrams of, of data aspirin for ten years. The primary outcome was MI, TIA, or stroke, and the primary self safety outcome was a major bleed. Now, if to summarize the data, pretty much what it says is that while it did show a decreased risk of the primary outcome, it was at a cost for a much increased risk of a bleed. So if you look at the absolute risk reduction, it's around 10%, at the cost of 20% absolute risk increase of a major bleed. So again, the question here is, with that data, what do you do? Um, so any thoughts about, about this trial? I mean, I guess we'll go through all three trials and give a summary, but... Have have you been giving aspirin to diabetics? So then, the because the, I just went through all the guidelines for our book, um, and it is still in the recommendation for us and and the Canadian guidelines to uh, give aspirin to those who are at a higher likelihood. Um, so not primary prevention in general, but those are diabetics with maybe a cholesterol issue um, to d- give a baby aspirin daily for uh, cardioprotective purposes. Um, however, after these studies dropped, I actually had a patient come into my office who is a hypertensive uh, dyslipidemic smoker in his 50s whose wife just had a heart attack mm-hmm. and was asking me whether he should start aspirin. And I actually... Uh, based on the data, suggested no. Well, let's actually have you quit smoking because right. that would be a more better, right? m- m- more effective and uh, less side effects, right? And so, yeah, in general, I don't, I don't give aspirin to my diabetics because by the time you get through all the other stuff you have to do for a diabetic, you're out of time and, and on the priority list. That's probably on the lowest side of things. Yeah, I mean, the way I used to do it is I would not give it to them unless they asked. And 
you know, if you look at the calculator, the the Framingham, the best medicine calculator they have on, on the online, you can play with the numbers, and Aspen can be helpful. But given the new data, I I'm more likely to discourage people from taking it than than not, especially the diabetics. Then you move on to the Arrive study, which was published in the Lancet, and this was around thirteen thousand patients. These weren't diabetics per se; they were at moderate risk for CVD. Their definition was. 10% or more as moderate risk. And again, they were receiving 10, 100 milligrams of daily aspirin for 10 years. The primary endpoint there was death, stroke, TIA, or MI. And in this case, what it showed is there was a 4% absolute risk reduction at a cost of 20% risk increase. So aspirin seems to do a bit better in diabetics. Than in non- this is what it tells me, than in non-diabetics. Because non-diabetics have much less of an effect if you, they take it at the same cost percentage. Uh, would you agree, Wakil? Would you add anything else to that? No, uh, it, that's what I would interpret it as as well. So it seems like aspirin is better. The more risk you have at heart attack or stroke, the better it is at reducing that risk. But if you're the less risk you have, it the risk of bleeding doesn't change. No, it stays stays the same, right? So yeah. So, you know, it's if a patient is taking aspirin, you may want to give them a talk because then you have the ASPI trial. It's the last trial here. It's 20,000 individuals, I believe. Um, and these were people over 70. And they had uh, many outcomes. It was a composite of death, dementia, disability. And the reason why they had this composite outcome is they were saying that the fact that in older populations, simply living longer is not always the only goal. They, they want to live functionally right so it's one thing to have a stroke and live to be 100 but not be able to walk it's another thing to not have a stroke and be able to walk right and what they found is that aspirin had no effect whatsoever on primary outcome not only that but they found some other weird stuff which you know we'll discuss in a sec but they found that the rate of for all-cause mortality was actually higher in aspirin than the placebo group with a number near to harm of 1 in 100. And it was caused by increasing cancer. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, that, that is, a, I think, a little more contentious, of course. Right. We just talked about the uh, reduction in colorectal cancer, which is actually the type of cancer they're, they're suggesting is the one that increased your all-cause mortality. Mm-hmm. So... So I think more, we gotta we gotta take that with a little bit more grain of salt um, because if you probably did a meta analysis with previous studies, it might not be as drastic. Mm-hmm. But I think I have to agree. We we are already learning that primary prevention for the elderly when it comes to statins is no good, and um, right. even uh, for diabetics, we don't need to control their diabetes as harshly or their hypertension as harshly. So. Why wouldn't it be the same for aspirin, right? Where if as you age, the benefits of aspirin get worse, and why would you not have an increased um, harm rate when you have chemicals being pumped through your body at seventy? <laughs> Especially chemicals that make you make you bleed, and you know if you fall, you make you bleed. Fall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, you know, and again, the, the whole the whole cancer thing, I, I'm a bit skeptical. It wasn't a primary outcome in the trial, so they, they sort of did a, a sub-analysis and found that. Uh, so this is to be looked into more. 
But I, I think if you were to summarize this, it seems like, unfortunately, Aspen, it's no longer that useful for primary prevention of anything. No. And uh, I think I, I probably agree with that. Now, it, it doesn't seem to have as good uh, outcome. And working in the ER and I, the number of bleeds that I see, I, I'm not surprised at the outcomes of this of these studies yeah it's it's interesting i mean you almost wonder if because we're so much better at preventing heart disease than we were in the past aspirin just is not useful anymore I mean, right if you if you only have aspirin obviously give aspirin but you don't only have aspirin you have statins you have metformin uh, you have blood pressure pills you have so many other things that seem to have been much more successful including actually diet and exercise yeah yeah. Well, we'll talk about the new Canada food guide later. But yeah, yeah, we should. It's, uh, we had a bit of a chat, and I think it's it's a very good topic. So maybe it's uh, yeah. Uh, it's we both sort of agree with it. If that's controversial, then it is. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's sad. But I still have my little bottle of aspirin in case I have a horrible sinus infection and a strep throat. But I'm no longer be going to be taking it every day. Bye bye aspirin. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did want to make one quick note. So I was just looking at the oh, yeah, right. enrollment in the studies. Um, the ASCEND trial had a 96% white person, not that uh, I'm discriminatory, but being a brown guy myself, whether this holds true to all, because looking at the mm-hmm. ASPRI trial, they also had about a 90, 95% white race population. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing is when they did the, the calculations, the risk reduction in the non-white population seemed to favor on the aspirin trials, uh, or aspirin side, I should say, sorry. So blacks and Hispanics actually had an improved hazard ratio than whites did uh, in the aspirin trial. But when you put it all together they had a reduced uh, overall. And then other, I don't know what other races yeah, are, but they had white, black, Hispanic, and other, and the other races actually had a huge um, hazard race ratio. So I don't know, not that I'm saying um, race matters in terms of your health, but I don't know if there's, again, the whole Hispanics and blacks probably have a higher cardiovascular risk in general. And therefore, it works a little bit better in them. I don't know. I, I don't know what to make it's, out of that. It's, it's possible. And I wonder if they'll like actually look into it. Because, again, a lot of the studies are very much Caucasian-centric. I mean, even the calculation we use, the Framingham, is very much based on Caucasians, right? Yeah. Uh, so in the Southeast Asians, which have higher risk. That's interesting. Because I didn't really read an editorial discussing that finding. And I'm hoping that they look into it. Uh, because maybe... Maybe for different races, aspirin might be uh, might be more useful. I imagine Bayer is, is listening to us right now and taking notes, right? So they're gonna oh, for sure, market to a specific <laughs> type of person. Exactly. Another thing they didn't yeah. look at, which I I would be more interested in as well, is kidneys, right? Because we know NSAIDs oh, yeah. in general are um, nephrotoxic, and uh, could this have been? Uh, hazard outcome as well as taking aspirin every day. Especially in diabetics. Uh, exactly. So, I don't know. I some, some food for thought for future scientists if, because uh, yeah. I definitely don't have time to do it myself. No, I don't, I can't, I don't have, I don't know 10,000 people. I don't have, I, I have like 200 yeah. on my Facebook. That's about it. 
Oh, you got way more than I do. <laughs> All right. Well, it, uh, it's always a pleasure. And maybe we'll discuss the food guide next time. Cheers. And uh, yeah, it's uh, so our book has been updated, the 99. If you're studying for the exam, please take a look. It's quite useful and it's uh, beautifully made. And uh, it's a great way to support us. Take care.